Welcome to the climb. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's the new music business. You're not going to get signed on talent alone. You're going to have to bring some results. You have to bring a reputation to the table, some business, some hits, some cuts. That's what they want to see before they're going to invest in you. Why we called it the climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. Let me introduce you to my co-host and my good friend, Mr. Brent Baxter, who came up with that amazing backstronym, which is important to today's episode. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on the regular, he's going to give you opportunities to connect with the pros and get your game up. Okay, you can find Brent super easy at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists by making them discoverable. And they've also created multiple tour opportunities and, big word alert, Through the power of digital marketing data, they've attracted a large number of investors for their artists. And the investors like like the numbers because numbers don't lie because numbers don't talk. And you can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. How are you, brother? Man, I'm, I'm making it. I'm trying not to hag and cough all over the podcast today. Allergies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you so, got it going on out there, huh? <laughs> I, I, got, I got the lozenges in. I got the inhaler. I got just trying to breathe, brother. So <laughs> other than that, I'm all right. Right on. Yeah, we mm-hmm. got it. We're just all stormy, stormy weather out here for the weekend. Very fun, fun. CMA weekend. It's insanity. That's right. <laughs> it's insanity. <laughs> yes, it is. Always right. a good time. Well, what are we going to learn about today? Well, here's the deal. If you want to make a living as a songwriter, you need to write songs to get a lot of radio spins, right? And if you want a publishing deal as a songwriter, you need to be writing the kind of songs that get spins. Now, if you'd just be happy to get a song or two recorded, even if they don't become singles, you still need to write the type of song that get spins. So if you want an artist to record your music, you need to write songs with built-in spins. How do you build in spins to your song? It's another backstronym, and we're going to get into it today. <laughs> S-P-I-N-S. That's right. I can't wait to hear what that sounds like. Uh-huh. Let's take care of a little business first. The Climb right. Podcast is proud to partner with Disc Makers, our good friends. They've been supporting indie musicians before indie music was even a thing. When you're ready to make CDs, DVDs, vinyl, or distribute your music and videos with customized USBs, discmakers.com is the only place you need to go. That's D-I-S-C-Makers.com. And while you're there, be sure and click on the Guides and Resources tab and download some of their excellent free guides. They've just revised and expanded their home studio handbook, which has a ton of great advice and information for newbies and for studio veterans. You can find them online at www.discmakers.com or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. Nice. And hey, if you haven't joined the climb community, please do so. I think we're like less than 10 away from a thousand, which is Yeah, we're super close. I checked it this week. Yeah. (laughs) So that's cool. Thanks for everybody that's been giving referrals. You know, once again, thank you, all the climbers out there, for taking the time to hang out with us on a weekly basis and listen to what's going on. You mean the world to us, and we don't take that lightly. Believe me, there's we're both Brent and I are starved for time. And Mm -hmm. honestly, we know what kind of a big time investment that is, which is worth way more than money. And we just want you to know 
We appreciate you very much. We do. I love running into people that are climbers or seeing them on social media. It's like, love the podcast. I've been listening, long time listener. Just makes my day. makes you feel good because they're getting value out of it. They're not listening because they have to. They listen because they want to. So Yeah, they're not listening because it's the right thing to do. We're trying to support local podcasters. No, it's because we're getting <laughs> right. something out of it. Because <laughs> it's right. They're getting something out of it. It's the right thing to do for them. And that's what it's about. So that's, that's right. So thank years. you on that. Join the climb community. Get lots of uh, information, a place to just a place to go and ask some questions. If you don't know, uh, you know, they, they are well versed in the tenets of our specific gospel and they're mm-hmm. going to uh, offer up answers. I don't think I've I've seen one yet that, except for the occasional negative Nancy that's on there, but um, I, I don't think I've, I've seen one answer that was like incorrect, you know, or yeah. something that I would disagree with. Yeah, it's, it's a really you? good community. I was, no, it's it's been a good, I mean, we've kind of laid down the culture and, and people are picking it up and running with it and it's been helpful. And I, I saw a notification, I guess it was this morning or last night, somebody in another group, which shall remain nameless. I mean, but they were like, I thought this was supposed to be a group about like songwriters connecting and stuff, but all everyone does is post their songs. <laughs> and, that was it. and somebody was like, I'm sorry. I, I started this group, but then I got really busy in my band and I haven't really <laughs> laid down the culture and sorry, I may just close it up. I don't know. Cause it just became a place where people are shouting in the corners. People are posting their songs and nobody's connecting with each other. And you know, I felt sorry for, for her and for people in that group. And it made me smile because like the climate community is not that way. Their kids Flash are running around in restaurants and screaming and hollering and raising hell. And our kids are well-behaved. Well-behaved and having a <laughs> like good a time. Yeah, that's right. Like I tell my kids, be good, have fun. You can do both. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, there you go. So, hey, subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't done so already, everything comes in order wherever you'd like to consume your podcast. Take 30 seconds and leave a rating and review. If you haven't done it yet, this this is, means a lot. There's always new people coming in and checking it out, and they're going to look at those reviews to see what other people think about it. So that helps. And finally, the best thing you can do is share it. If there's one specific episode that just is really, really touched you, that somehow you had an epiphany, you got some clarity, share that on your social media. Tell musician friends, your other writer friends, your other indie artist friends out there, hey, this is worth the time. Check it out because that's the best possible referral you could give us. Mm -hmm. That's all I got to say about that. I want to find out what the heck is a spin. All right, spins. So it's a backstronym, as we like to call them around here. S-P-I-N-S, we're going to get into what it stands for. But basically these days, it seems like it's harder and harder than ever to land a cut on a major artist. If you're listening to one of our previous episodes about the Billboard Country Singles Chart Breakdown, you see that, wow, a lot of artists co-writes, a lot of a few people getting a lot of the cuts. It's just harder to get cuts these days. There are literally tens of thousands of songwriters in Nashville trying to get one of their songs recorded by a handful of major artists. And that's not even kind of the thousands of songwriters in other major music cities like London, Toronto, L.A., New York, all that mm-hmm. stuff. That And small towns all around the world that are competing for cuts on the same records, right? The competition and the opportunity, thankfully, doesn't stop there. A quick check of any online music platform, whether, you know, Reverb Nation, Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever, will reveal that there are thousands of independent artists who are releasing new music every day. Like, how do you get a song on one of their projects, right? Because me, I, I tell you, a dollar doesn't care where it comes from. It doesn't care if it comes from an indie artist or a major artist. It doesn't care if it comes from Canada, Australia, or next door. It doesn't care where it comes from. Just find me. I think you get cuts by writing songs with spins, with built-in spins. So, you know, I love acronyms. So let's break it down and talk about acronyms. Backstronyms, that's right. So you ready? Yeah. Do a little wordplay here. All right, S is for sticky. All right. Your song has to get stuck in the listener's head. 
It needs to be memorable. It needs to stick with your listener. So you can do this multiple ways. Great way to start. I like to start by having a unique, compelling hook or title. So avoid titles that have been done a million times, like I love you, over you, that kind of stuff. Those titles aren't going to send a publisher, a producer, or an artist scrambling to hear your song. It's just not going to happen. It's not compelling. You want to be more creative and more memorable. And, and the spins, these work for both helping you get your songs recorded and then helping them be successful after they're recorded. You want to be sticky so it, it sticks in the process and in the mind of the producer who's hearing hundreds of songs or thousands of songs and the artist who's hearing thousands of songs. you got to be sticky, right? Yeah. To be one of the ones that, that hangs on. You just want to be that tick that just climbing up the kid's sock as he's walking through the tall grass going, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it to a vein. I'm going to make it to a vein. (laughs) Hang on there. Sorry, country analogy. This country moment was brought to you by Arkansas. (laughs) And Lyme disease. (laughs) And Lyme disease. That's right. And the CDC. That's right. So you want to be more creative and more memorable with your titles. I mean, that's one of the, I think one of the things that helped Monday Morning Church make it through was that, oh, that's an interesting title. I want to hear that. And I think it's one of those things that help it be compelling and sticky for listeners. It's just, it had a different hook on it. You know, the house that built me. I immediately want to know what that's about. These different titles that, that stand out. You hear other titles and you're like, eh, okay, well, we'll see what this is. I've probably heard this a thousand times. So that's, that's one way to get your song sticky. The other is, and it's a huge one, is having melodic hooks in your songs, earworms, ear candy right? It can be some melodic pieces that stand out and stay with the listener after the first listen. If the listener can at least hum along or sing along by the time they hit the last chorus, that is a great sign. So, I mean, more and more melodic hooks and little lyrical hooks you can put in your song, it helps it to be sticky, to stick with the listener. Also, imagery is a great way to be sticky. You give the listener something to see in their mind's eye, something fresh, something real and unexpected. And then there's a much better chance the song will be memorable. I mean, I still remember with the Katy Perry song, Waking Up in Vegas, not only because I wrote a song with the same title, darn you, Katy Perry, but <laughs> that line about popping the glitter out of your collar just sticks with me. And so many things in so many songs that, you know, you see a moment in that lyric. The microphone smells like a beer. Billy Joel and Piano Man. There's these lines that will stick with the listener. It helps it to be sticky because there's some sort of imagery. Really good imagery, yeah. Will stick with the listener when it's fresh and when it's different, when it's real and when it's compelling. Neil Diamond, LA's fine, but it ain't home. New York's home, but it ain't mine no more. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget that. It's like, oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, there's so many, when you have a great image, it's sticky. It sticks in the listener's mind. It paints a picture so they don't have to just remember the words. They're remembering what they see and in a way what they experience. So S is for sticky. You want to build your song intentionally in a way that's going to stick with your listener. If you, if you write a song that makes sense and we've all written songs, we're like, yeah, man, that sounds good. That sounds like a song. All right. But is there anything that I'm humming on the way home from the co-write anything that's stuck in my head going, I'm going to hear that all day long. If you're not having some of those in your song, you need to go back and, look at it and go, okay, we need to build in some ear candy, some stickiness to this. Cause it may be a, a good technical melody and it, it, it's functional and it fits the mood and the vibe. But if it doesn't have some of that ear candy, some hooks in it, go back and add some. Cause you're trying to hook the listener cause you're trying yeah. to catch a cut. So yeah. that's sticky. All right. Makes sense. So about the P is for positioning. Your song should be well positioned for your target market. All right. It has to make sense for the genre and for the potential artist. 
So like your I'm a whiskey drinking, fist swinging rebel song, it's not going to work for an artist who's positioned as like a lover, not a fighter. You know, the more yeah. sensitive guy. It may yeah. be great, maybe, but it's not going to, it's not going to work for that artist or in certain genres. It may be sticky, maybe memorable, but I mean, this is obviously broad strokes, but Highway to Hell by ACDC, sticky. Yeah. I'm yeah. on the high. You know, it's like, it's sticky, great. right? It's great. Not going to work on Christian radio. No. Right. So it's sticky, but it's very poorly positioned for that market. I mean, that's an obvious over the top example. Yeah. I got to interject this. So this, yes. this is like, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, this is the reality. I mean, not being aware of what Brent's talking about right now, not having that awareness and, and going through that process in your head is just as insanely ignorant as hopping in a minivan and trying to take a corner at 90 miles an hour because you think it's like a Ferrari and it's going to stay on the road. Yeah. It's not, right? It's not. We're hopping in the car and saying, we're going to get to Disney World. And you have no idea where Disney World is. We're just going to drive. Yeah. Just keep keep going. We're going to go that way. I'll I'll bump into it eventually. If I drive (laughs) fast enough and I have a nice enough car, I'll bump into Disney World. And there are a boatload of amateur songwriters that approach their business that way. Yeah. Like, and you're like, straight up. is that El Disney World though? Cause I think I'm in Mexico now. Yeah. I start off in Nebraska. <laughs> El Disney World though. <laughs> it, it is. It's seriously like getting in the car and like, but I'm going to drive fast and I'm going to handle the sucker. It handles like a dream, but I don't know where Disney World is. I never bothered to look it up. I'm just hopping in my car and driving and eventually I'll, I'll see it. When I, when I did that culinary record, the amount of songs that I got that was just so far from his brand mm-hmm. were astounding. Yeah. Yeah, they might. I, and I, was some were probably, I was pissed because I honestly, it was a last minute dump and I didn't have freaking time. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I got to listen to this. It's not even close. Yeah. Even not, I don't care song, if it's a hit right? song. He's never going to cut this. Right. And so then they become a problem for you. And yeah. It, so some of those songs may, may have been sticky. They may have been like well done and like some ear candy. Great. Yeah. But it's not Colin Ray. It's not yeah. well positioned for the target artist. Yeah. So it's not going to get cut. He didn't cut any of those songs. I mean, think about this. Let's break this down into a, a small town thing, right? You're in a small town and you get a brand new neighbor moves next door and they come over and they're like, hey, can I borrow a hammer? And you're like, yeah, sure. And you go and you give him a wrench. He's like, excuse me, I, I need it. I'm sorry, I said hammer. Oh, oh, wait, hold on a second. Yeah, here you go. And you give him a screwdriver. I'm going to try the next neighbor. Yeah, I mean, you look like a moron, crazy. right? You, yeah, you're not listening to me. I don't feel like you're listening to me at all. And we all want to be heard. Like, but you like, but I have all these, I have all these screwdrivers in the back. And they're awesome. Why they're awesome. Dude, awesome. that's a good screwdriver. That's a great screwdriver. Why don't you uh, like that screwdriver? I'm trying to pound a nail. I'm trying no, to pound a nail. What the hell? You know how much that screwdriver costs? Like, uh, all those hammers are the same. All those <laughs> hammers are just one hammer after another. They all got a big, heavy, hard thing on one end and a handle on the other. That's right. Oh, Made that. by a big, ugly corporation that just wants to make money. All they want to do is hit nails. Damn. About the people with screwdrivers like me. I just got to hang up something. You, so I'm going to go. Got a hammer? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> as stupid as that sounds, I've had a lot of conversations where I felt just exactly oh, like that. Day I got going, one off that, the, the billboard, you know, chart breakdown. Oh, I got one of those going on the songwriting pro Facebook group 
was going. Oh, um, yeah? not, I'm sure it's not going by the time this drops, but yeah, same <laughs> thing. It's all the same BS. It's all sound alike. I'm like, they're looking for, they got a pound of nail, buddy. Yep. So, oh, well, it is what it is. But it, the point is right. You got to be well positioned. It doesn't matter if they're catchy songs. It doesn't matter if it's a great screwdriver. If it's not well positioned for the market and for the artist, they're not going to cut it. And also it helps to write songs that are artist friendly. So what does it mean by art, being artist friendly? Examples may be, it makes the artist look good, right? It, it fits their, their general brand of being like a good guy or a good girl or whatever. It, is it something the artist wants to say to their audience? That's being artist friendly, right? It, it makes them look good. It's, it's what they want to say. So that kind of stuff you, you want to talk about because not saying country, they're not going to talk about being an axe murderer. Yeah. In gospel, they're not going to talk about, well, when I get drunk on Saturday night, and but I, I show up in church and thank God God forgives me. They're not going to be talking not, about backhand woman. In that, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work in that market, right? You right. The back half of that about, thank God God forgives me, but you can't like highlight the, I get Why? sloshed on Saturday. <laughs> it's not going to work in that market, right? Again, it could be sticky, but if it's not well positioned, no one's going to record it, right? So, so we got the S and this P. You ready for the I? Yes. I is for impact. Smack. Your song needs to make an impact on the artist and the listener. It should make them feel something. You know, the worst thing a song can do is leave you the way it found you, right? Love it, hate it, whatever. The worst thing it can do is just have no effect on you. To say the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. At least hate involves some sort of connection Passion. and emotion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So does your song make the listener want to laugh, cry, dance, or think? Does a large audience care about your song's subject matter? That's called being universal, right? It's a universal subject matter. That's why people sing about love so much because it's universal. We all exist in a world of relationships and emotion and love and loss and all that stuff. So we, that's why people sing about those big topics because it's so universal. That's mm-hmm. why there aren't more songs on the radio about Duke football team. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, most people don't care, right? right? So they're trying to reach a big audience. So they think about the big universal things, love, drinking, sex, God, you know, something right. a lot of people at least can relate to and, and connect with on some level. So also another way is for impact is you want to start by having a clear emotional goal for your song. So, it, you know, is your song about getting the listener on the dance floor? getting the listener on their knees praying, getting the listener on the phone with mama, or getting the listener on their boyfriend. If you don't know the response you want from the listener, you're probably not going to get it. Now, you don't have to know this like right up front. Sometimes you're in the process of discovery when you're writing your song. You go, oh, this is really what this is about. Your subconscious is working out. That's cool. But by the time you finish your song, you need to have it like, this is a very clear goal. This is what I, the effect I want to have on the listener. If you don't know the effect, you're not going to have that effect, most likely, exactly. unless you just get lucky. Looking for Disneyland analogy again. Just get in the car and start driving. <laughs> yeah, at least at least if, if you don't know, know that you want to end up in Disneyland, there's a better chance you're going to end up there than like, where are you going? I don't know. I'm just going to drive. And you hope you're, you're not going to end up at the happiest place on earth. If you yeah. just get in the car and drive, you don't even have a clear goal. I just want to end up someplace happy. And it doesn't all have to be like change the world, make the listener cry. or you know, It can be like, I wanted the listener, some songs are meant to move the emotion. Some songs are meant to move the booty. So it may just be like, I just want to get them on the dance floor dancing. Great. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But you should know what that is. And you're going to build your song accordingly to have that impact. I may just want to inspire with my song. I may just want to get people have that release of energy because I've had a bad day or to laugh, whatever it is. You need to be clear about what that is. 
And I think another thing is to write about something emotional. Like if you want to impact the emotions, write about something that's emotional. So it's not enough for your song to be based around like an interesting turn of phrase. I think the song has to impact the listener's emotions in some ways. So, I mean, I've heard songs that are like, yeah, that's an interesting idea, but I don't care. Like, oh, that's an interesting turn of phrase or whatever it might be. But ultimately, it's, it's more of an intellectual song. It's not really who cares, right? Mm-hmm. The songs that make you go, hmm. <laughs> not work for Arsenio Hall, but it's, this is many years later. It's not going to work for your song if all it does is make them go, oh, that's interesting. Not going to work. You hit them in the heart somehow, right? And with intention, right? I mean, this exactly. is... That last point, having a clear emotional goal for your song. People don't create great art by accident. It just doesn't come down and wrap it up for you and deliver a lyric and a melody and a chord change at all. It makes sense. That's the craftsman part of it. Yeah. And right? even the muse creates the spark. Even if by some reason the muse just picked you at random for that greatness, you're not going to be able to build a career off that. Yeah. This is about craftsmanship. Yeah. And by the way, like when you were saying all that stuff, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking like how many people I know who don't take this intentional approach before a business meeting, mm. right? Like before every business meeting, okay, what's, what am I trying to get out of this meeting? Right. Right. What's my intention? We've talked about this before in the past, but like a friend of mine, came down and met with Tony Brown once for mm. the first time. And it was pissed Legendary off. record exec in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played keyboards for friggin' Elvis, right? Yeah. Played yeah. piano for Elvis, but also produced George Strait forever and just a legend. Had several record labels. Like, it, yeah, it, just, it, it, he's a yeah. player. And it was pissed that there was no follow-up. Like, he didn't greet him again or follow up or reach out. Like he was mm. a long-lost friend. Wrong intention. Yeah. Right. Like, it, it, so his intention was, I was just going to run there and talk with him. He's going to love me. And then I'm, we're going to become friends and end up with the record. Deal. Right. After one meeting. <laughs> right. It's, it's the same as thinking, well, I, I'm going to want to get this song heard once. And after one song, after one spin in a market, you're going to get, it's going to be a hit song. Like everybody's going to know. No, no. Most people, it's going to go in one and you're out the other. You got like six more spins per person you've got to get inside their head before they even recognize the song, mm-hmm. right? No matter how well, it's funny. I was, I was, I listened to the Bobby cast podcast. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I recommend it. The Bobby Bones, Arkansan. Anyway, this was a while back when he was talking about John Mayer and how Mayer started putting out just like three or four songs at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, he put out three or four, wait a few months, put out three or four more. And Bobby's like, that's great because, you know, you drop a whole album on me and stuff comes at you so fast. I never get the chance to live with those songs, even though I'm a big John Mayer fan. I never end up listening and living with those songs to really absorb them and fall in love with them because the next thing's always coming. The next thing's always coming. And especially, I think, today when you know, it used to be like, go to Walmart, I buy a CD. It's physically in my car, right? Yeah. Or in my, on my desk or whatever. And so it's easy to go, oh, yeah. This thing, pop it in. It's a physical reminder. With streaming, I had a song, My Music, on Amazon or whatever. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Or an album. So easy to, it's gone. I mean, it's there. It's hanging out. But I don't see that physical like CD or cassette or eight track or vinyl where I can see it and go, that, I need to listen to that again. You listen to the whole thing. It's so ethereal that, gone. And I I mean, it just dawns on me too that the, we're going to talk about this in in my next episode, just the sheer volume, available titles, available art has changed now because of the digital. Mm-hmm. All right. right. So before, I mean, it, it was only pretty much you're only listening to music that was put out by major labels or some kind of label. Mm-hmm. And and the only reason you're aware of it is because they had the money to get it on radio mm-hmm. for the most part. Right. I'm generalizing, but that's about 95 percent of it. Yeah. And or you and, happen to see a an indie band at a concert and you bought it out of the trunk of their car. There you go. And, I had a few and so growing up that my sister would turn me on to. Yeah. You had time. And you weren't bombarded with something new tomorrow or later today or later this minute to consume that whole album and do that. And so that's another reason why, but being aware of not the way it was, Mm -hmm. but what's happening right now and why is it happening right now? And being intentional about, okay, so back to the meeting, like I'm going to go into this meeting. You better freaking know what you want to get out of that meeting so that you can steer the conversation Mm -hmm. to the right place and your expectations are set. If, if you go to a meeting to try to create a relationship and you create the relationship, it's a win. If you go to the meeting and it's the first time you meet the person and the intention should be to try to create and deepen a relationship, but mm-hmm. in your head, the expe- expectation is I'm going to get a record deal and you leave without a record deal. It's a fail in your right. mind, but you're, you're mis you're just miscategorizing it. Right. Yeah. The fail started when you put the wrong expectations on it. Yeah. So there it is. Like in those songs, like you can't, and I'm guilty of this, man. Like when I first started writing songs, like a bull in a china shop, meandering around, like up in my brain until mm-hmm. I'm vomiting out a bunch of crap that somehow assembles a song, but there's no tension. What's the story? Where's the intent? How do I want to make people feel about this? Yeah. Like, what am I trying to say? Yeah. And again, you don't have to know that right up front. Sometimes you're just letting your, your subconscious work itself out and you're finding it. But by the time you call it done, it needs to have that clear intention on it. And then you go back and you rewrite and you polish it. Yeah. You know, so you don't I mean, have to know all that on the front end. That's cool. Not everybody works that way. If you read the Julie Cameron book, The Artist's Way, like they talk about, like, you, know, you got to do your pages every day, right? Mm-hmm. Like have, you got to write for a half hour every day. You just got to write, right, 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 yeah. right, 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 right. Well, that, that taught me when I was songwriting, man, when, you, when the muse is there, don't, mm-hmm. don't take the pen off the paper. Yeah. Keep, just keep going. And then go back later when the dust settles mm-hmm. and try to, okay, I was on a topic here, but this line strong to the point 
what I'm trying to say, and then you mm-hmm. can assemble it later. So there's there's certain that certainly that play in the sandbox and just go willy nilly aspect to it without a doubt. The end product got to be together. That's right. Somebody said that time is an excellent editor. And so you do those pages, Ooh. you step away, let time come back, and, and then time shows you the law of the edits. So I thought that yeah. was a cool way to put it. Time That's is good. a good editor. So, all right. So we got SPI. So sticky, positioning, impact. Next, we have, and this is going to tick a lot of people off, network. N is for network. So you and your song have to get connected to the right people if you want cuts, right? This is not about writing a good song. This is about writing a song that gets recorded by another artist, okay? So if your goal is just to write compelling songs that your fans will like, well, still, you need to network with your fans. You need to get to your fans. So I guess either way, you need network. Your song has to connect to the right people. This is where relationships are key. Can you get your songs to a legitimate publisher who can then get the song in the right hands? Can you play your own songs for a producer directly? Are you writing with the artist? Leveraging your network is a major difference between like good songwriters or great songwriters and great songwriters with great careers. I'm going to say that again. Mm-hmm. Building and leveraging your network is the major difference between great songwriters and great songwriters with great careers. So your song can be sticky, can be well-positioned, and it can be impactful. But it's never going to get recorded if it isn't networked because it's got to yeah. get to the right people. Got to get to people that can say yes. Yeah, And not living in Nashville and not knowing anybody is the crappiest excuse you can come up with. Yes. That's just a starting <laughs> point. That's just where you are right now. That excuse is predicated on or based on the idea that everybody who is getting cuts was somehow born into it. Right. <laughs> you know? Like they didn't have to work and they got it easy. And right. I'm out here in Mississippi and I'm writing hit songs, but right. I, I wasn't, I wasn't born into that. You know, the Ashley Gorley family of songwriters and they got nothing but hits for 150 years. And he just, he just gets it. He ain't any good. He just gets it. Cause like, it just makes it like, it's almost like mm. insulting. Yeah. It's not almost like it is. It's exactly like insulting oh, the hit songwriters that are there. Like they didn't just, end. You know what they did? What we're talking about right here. At yeah. some point, they're going through this mental exercise and putting this together. My parents were school teachers. My mom, so her mom, she was a single mom. Her, my mom's dad died when she was seven. So her mom worked different factory, worked at the shoe factory in Batesville for years. So my mom was a school teacher. My dad's parents, my grandmother did a little bit of hair every now and again. They had Baxter Realty, so they did that. He did some ranching and stuff back in Arkansas. My dad's school teacher. But the most music, dad played a little piano, played saxophone at, at Arkansas State in the band some. Mom sang some solos in church. That was so, That's our musical legacy. Both my parents can't carry a tune. My dad played Neil Diamond. My mom played the Carpenters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she had some good stuff. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't believe I have any uncles or aunts or you know my grandma, grandpa. I I don't know where I got it from. Yeah, where where I got the bug, where I got the itch, where I got the the talent or anything. It didn't come from them. It's a really good point, Brent, that you bring up. Sometimes when I was younger, I would get like a little a little myth when you hear like somebody came from like a musical family. Well, you know, my dad was like a conductor, and my mom played in a band, and oh, so you just kind of grew up around that, and you learned early on. Well, didn't get my way. Yeah, you know? I mean, that, that would have been nice. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change the ultimate outcome. It doesn't determine. It's like a door opener, not a deal closer. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, good way to make an excuse. 
Yeah, it is. It's a, Bill, what were you born with? I was born with excuses. Plenty of them. <laughs> yes, I'm good. I'm good at making excuses. <laughs> right. Great. You want one? You want one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got plenty. I can just hand them out. Throw them out like carnival, like carnival beads, Mardi Gras. Come on. <laughs> and that's the part people hate. Or sometimes people really get mad at it because like, oh, they're just getting all those cuts because they're buddies with the artist or whatever. Yeah, that's part of the job. I mean, it is part of the job. It's not music luck. It's music business. It's not just music. Not music yeah. luck. Music business. And, and how is it that everybody gets so screwed up on it? it? Can I ask you that? How is it that somebody from like a small town, like their friend gets a job, mm-hmm. a good job because they got a friend at that company who puts mm-hmm. in a good word for them and they get it and they're like, way to go, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, well, you got, you got to know somebody in the music industry. I mean, it's a closed club. Like you could say the same thing about that person that got that job, but what got them that job? A relationship. Yeah. And sometimes it ticks people off about that stuff too. (laughs) The friend of the politician gets the the business contracts, the crony capitalism, all that stuff. You can be mad at it, whatever, but it is what it is. I mean, it's built in excuses. And but but that's also you do job. it too. That's just the point. It's a, it's a reason to get an excuse. It's yes. a reason to say I can't get it done because somebody else is in my way. Mm-hmm. I'm being held down by the man. But you know what? If you look around you, it's like empathy, right? You can't govern from empathy because yeah. who are you going to be more empathetic about? That guy on the street corner that's asking you for a dollar or your children? Right, children. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, so what? You're not playing fair? So yeah, right. you're just going to take your kids and put them? Oh, you're, you're a jerk. Because you care about your kids more than some guy you don't know who needs help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I care about my kids more than that guy that needs help. <laughs> yeah. but I ain't going to hell for that. <laughs> you you do it too. Everybody does it. And so figure it out, man. It happens. <laughs> it, it does. It, it's like if you want to be an NFL football player, they have the combine. They have scouts. Where do the scouts go? They go to the college games, right? Yep. And the combine, who do they invite? The best college players. Now, if you're sitting in your hometown and you're running around the football field on Monday morning or whatever, and you're training, you're running streets, you're lifting weights, you're fast, you're strong, man, they they never invite me to the combine. They don't hold open tryouts. Get on a frigging team, right? (laughs) You're 18, and you're like, I'm just going to make it. I'm just going to make it in the NFL. You going to go play ball somewhere? Yeah, man, with my buddies in the sandlot, I'm awesome. Okay, they made a movie about that. What was that? That Mark Wahlberg movie? He he's a member of the Philadelphia Eagles when they oh, had yeah, a strike yeah. and they had some open tryouts. Yeah, it was like a freak thing, and he made a team as a special teams player. Like true yeah. story, not Mark Wahlberg, but the guy he portrayed. I mean, like in the seventies or something. That's why they made a movie because that's really freaking rare, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're like eighteen, nineteen, you want to you want to go pro as a football player, you got to get on a team. Because yeah. that's where they go to scout. And that's where you learn to get better. So you can have all these natural gifts. But you're like, ah, it's all. You, you know, still got to learn how to play football. Team. You still got to learn how to run a route. You got to yeah. learn. You guess what? You got to learn how to run. Okay. So mm. I checked this out. I know that Ty Law, who uh-huh. was like a massively successful and a super talented, I think it was a safety yeah, some sort of defensive right. back for the Patriots for years. The Patriots, yeah. And so, but but a safe. His job is to guard the wide receiver. What's mm. you need two things to be a wide receiver. Number one, you gotta have hands, like really good hands that's gonna yeah. catch that ball. But number two, 
You got the best hands in the world. You got to be fast. Mm-hmm. Fast, fast, fast. You know, Chris Collinsworth talks about it all the time. I was a white boy with speed. Like, you know, he's like, <laughs> I could run. And that's why he got to be the wide receiver. So, mm-hmm. Ty Law, you got to be fast to do that. Do you know that he consulted at length with one of the world's best uh, track runners, the female, I can't remember her name, J- J- maybe Joyner? Jackie Joyner Kersey? I think it might have been Jackie Joyner Kersey. Now, I might be wrong on the name. Don't, okay. don't hold me to that. But it's somebody of her caliber. As a track star, as an Olympian, he's like, man, I'm trying to prove. And she looked at one film of him for 10 seconds. And she's like, boy, you know how to run. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm he's like, I'm own. already a pro football player making millions of dollars because I'm fast. And she's like, yeah, but you don't know how to run. Yeah. Woo! And, and you know what? Then he, and so he's not just thinking about football. He's like, okay, you got to put your feet this way instead of this way. And mm-hmm. you're going to. You're going to be more efficient. It's like when you're playing on that level, those little things make it. Yeah, it's a, it's the difference, right? It's a difference because the difference between getting the ball and not getting the ball is the difference between adding one or two more years to your career or not mm. doing that. And he had a pretty long career, I think. Yeah, he was. He's and, got some rings, I think. And it's like you know when you learn how to swim, if you're like shh, shh, and you're just trying to move as quick as you can, you're not you're, you're doing it wrong. But when right. you're stroking and letting that glide happen, mm. that's when your speed picks up. But it's the subtleties, right? Like God. I know I'm swimming great. Look at how much water I'm kicking up. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think that's really the point. There's nuances to the game. It ain't just black yeah. and white. And networking is one of them. Dang it. It's a huge one. I mean, so your song can be sticky, can be memorable, it can be well positioned for the market, but like it's just right for a country. It really is like a country hit or pop hit or rock hit or whatever. It could be impactful, like man, everybody that hears it cries or dances or whatever. But if you don't get it to the right People, it's not going to get cut. All right, you ready for S? Mm-hmm. Start again. Uh. So you want your songs need to be sticky, well-positioned, impact, networked, then do it again. Because one song is not going to get you there. That's one right. Song is not, we talked about this earlier. One song is not a career. Spins isn't a guarantee. You can write song with built-in spins, but they may not get cut because nothing's a guarantee in this business. The more songs you write with built-in stickiness, positioning, impact, networking, the better your chance of songwriting success. And that's what it comes down to is doing it again and again and again and again, putting a lot of those songs out there. Then hopefully they, they start getting cut. That's, right. I mean, and we, that's why you got to love it. That's why you got to love. That's why you got to love this. You got to love the grind. You got to love the game. Yep. If you don't, because that's it, that the do it again part is like, why, why do you do it again? Not because Brent said it's the S and spins, because if you don't, you're going to climb a tower with a gun and end up on the six o'clock news. That's why I became an artist. There was nothing logical about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I got to do this or I'm going to explode. <laughs> yeah. You got to do it again and again and more songs and more songs and not like, I got this one. Yeah. I wrote it with my buddy who's now got a record deal. I'm going to kick back, let it happen. <laughs> Light a cigar and wait for the money to roll in. <laughs> exactly. Start shop for Cadillacs. <laughs> no, if you want a career, all right, great. You got that one. Work it. Next, next up, next song. Do it yep. again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. It's a number. It's partly a numbers game. I mean, I was I blessed. I just found out at the time of this recording last night that I got another like Southern Gospel cut. Yes, my yeah, So happy about that. So I've been. I've been planting those seeds for about a year now. I'm riding with some some great people in that world that are hit riders in that world. You didn't just just write one and then get a cut. No, I didn't. You were intentional about the what the networking and the room and Make, the, yeah the platform that you're going to be riding for. You thought about all that before you. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. We're like, 
oh, this is a great hook. I mean, it's one of those that like the hook came out in the room and was like, and I was like, surely this has been done. It's so obvious that uh, this is because you know, I'm just learning the market. This has got to have been a hit like five times. Like, no, it hasn't. I'm like, how is that not a hit already? (laughs) (laughs) All right, great. All right. (laughs) Yeah. So that's happened a few times. Like, it's so obvious. And yeah, then you run where it's like, this is a sing along and it's going to, you know, stick with you and it's clear and it's got, it's a testify kind of thing. And it's networked because my co writer, one of the co writers on it, can send it directly to the band. And that's what she did. And they put on hold and they cut it. And so it has all those things that it's sticky. It's well positioned because they know the market really well going, Oh, this is going to be good for this type of artist in this genre. And it was impactful because it gets you raising your hands and testifying and then it's networked. And you know what? I'm going to be writing with them again next week and we're going to write another one. And you've been and doing it, it again. for a year. You we're planted that seed a year ago and you mm-hmm. kept working it. And now it's turned into corn. You want to get corn. You got to plant corn. <laughs> yeah. And I think we wrote that song earlier this year, but I've been writing those songs and now they're starting to get cut. I had a couple of those in the past month that have gotten cut, but you got to start writing them before it happens. But we didn't, I didn't just write one and go, well, that was cool. All right. Let, I'm going to wait until it gets cut to see if I want to invest more. No, I was like, okay, I'm enjoying this. I'm right with people at a high level that I think it, this has spins built in, but I can't stop it. Spin. I got to spins. Let's, let's write some more. And sure yeah. enough, started writing Aim at this kind of market back in like June or July of last year. So it's about a year now. And then it was one we wrote in October that just got cut last month. And then one we wrote, I think earlier this year is the one that just got cut yesterday. And and those others may still get cut at some point, but it's it's going back to it again. Well, I'll tell you what. Every and all those country songs too. I mean, Monday Morning Church wasn't my first song I wrote. Yeah. Just the first one got cut. And every time you get another cut, all of a sudden those songs in the catalog, they get a little bit more marquee value. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's that cut. You know, so and so and so and God, so. God oh. willing, you get a couple number ones. You yeah, know what I mean? Great. And all of a sudden, it's like Brent Baxter's on this. Brent Baxter, and who are your co-writers? Like uh, on on those two songs, Kenna West and Jason Cox. Yeah, God, who are killing Cox. it in that world. Kenna's got like over thirty number ones. Jason's got a bunch. So I've been I blessed to like step in at a high level because of success in other markets and relationships. I've mm-hmm. known Jason for over a decade. Yeah, at work. So yeah, you, you uh, and Jason have written for a couple of my artists. I mean, I, oh yeah, we were our last first kiss together for Neil yeah, Schuyler and killer. Um, but we, we hadn't written like for that world, but he's gone off and he's just started killing in that world. It's previous relationship. I was like, Hey, let's, how about we try some of that? And because I knew him, I don't have any track record in that market really, but because of relationship and track record in, in country and stuff. And he knows my chops. He invited me in with Kenna, who's also just flat out killing it in that market. Yeah. So success, able to parlay that into higher level networking in that world. Yeah. So it, you know, it's the same thing for me as it, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm eating my own cooking here. Yeah. Now, this is not something I'm just making up because I like acronyms. <laughs> I do like acronyms, <laughs> but I'm applying these to my own writing. Right? <laughs> I've gotten that? some results with it. Which is, why, which is why I'm making it up because I want to share it like with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cause so it will be sticky. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, y'all. So that's that's the thing about this spins. So sticky, positioning, impact, network, start again. And and yep. that's that's how you build that's how you build a career, I think. Yep. But hey, you know what? If if this is helpful to you, I have a gift for hanging in here with us this, you know, 46, 47 minutes here. It's called Gift from Brent. It's a free ebook. It's called Think Like a Pro Songwriter. And it's, it's full of the stuff I've learned along the way in my years in the music business, stuff like how to get on the radar of a music publisher 
how do pros know who's looking for songs? How do you even know who's looking? So you can play songs for them, let you know some of the ways we know who's looking for songs, that kind of stuff. Questions you need to ask before you demo a song. So stuff that will save you a bunch of money. And it's free. It's at giftfrombrent.com. Also put you on the Songwriting Pro Insiders list. So you know about like workshops coming up. I do a lot of online stuff. I do Facebook Lives, a lot of free content. Keeps you up with the podcast, all that good stuff. So giftfrombrent.com. There you go. All right, guys. So hey, if you haven't joined the Climb community, please do so. Ask to be let in. We let everybody in. Take 30 seconds, leave a five-star rating and review. Subscribe to the podcast and share it. Tell everybody that, that you're getting something out of it. They might get something out of it too. I think once people listen to an episode or two, the numbers just, the data just clearly shows us they binge. They go mm-hmm. down they, they're like, okay, I want to go. And they start listening to other titles that pop out at them. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of good stuff in there, guys. And it brings us to the end of another Killer Climb podcast here. This podcast exists. Why? Because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.